Yeah, welcome back to the Chemist Confessions Podcast. I'm Gloria. And I'm Victoria. We are two skincare chemists that like to just hop on here, have a little human conversation about all things skincare related. Yep. And for this episode, you might be wondering, what is the theme? And today we are doing basically a uh, rapid fire of, is it a gimmick? Gimmick or not? So that'll be fun for us to talk about trends um and get some see if there's any science behind it yeah uh we as we mentioned in our previous episode we finally have our marketing assistant uh-huh. who's bringing a lot of gen z energy and actually <laughs> opening our eye to the tiktok trends of today boy have our eyes been open that's for sure all right guys well we had some technical difficulties um, but we're back and we're going to do our brand update. So starting off with this episode, um, actually, we have a pretty big update for you guys this time. Gloria, what exactly have we been up to this summer? Damn, I was saving this question for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been working hard at a lot of exciting new projects, including mm. some of our Gen 2 formulas. Yeah, so excited. But... What we're trying to announce here is we, we partner with a biotech company based on Boston called Rivella. And what they specialize in is AI-powered molecule discovery. Yeah, uh, if we, we, we'd be lying if we told you we planned this. Uh, we just randomly had met one of the founders, Evan, during COVID when we were all trapped in our houses. Um, and during that time, I don't think Gloria and I ever thought we would see this guy ever again. Oh, yeah. Um, we literally <laughs> hung up the call and I'm like, $10. He's never talking to us ever again. <laughs> but lo and behold, one year later, um, he found us again. And the cool thing is Ravella has really enjoyed not only our educational work, but just our formulation expertise. Um, and so through that, we have decided to team up with them and honestly exercise a muscle that we don't get to use in chemist confessions, which is working with proprietary ingredients. So we're very yeah. excited about that piece. Yeah. So Rivella has, uh, before Evan grouped us in, yeah. they've already developed their um, molecule that's targeting hair loss and they have mm-hmm. launched that product. Yeah. And what they've been working really hard on is developing a molecule for skin, yeah. uh, targeting all signs of aging. We have more about that molecule to share very, very soon. But what's really exciting to see is I think you will catch us going on rants on this podcast about how proprietary molecules often gets pushed out there and there's not a lot of data or you see something cool in vitro but how does that really translate in vivo exactly what does that even mean in a formula so what's really exciting for us is essentially we get to work really closely with Evan and his team Mm -hmm. on not just the discovery phase, but how do you really extract the most value out of this new molecule into a formula? Right. And what that translates to is some really rigorous testing. So we got a lot on our plate. Mm-hmm. be honest, this is not something that we take lightly. And so we definitely would not have come on board if we did not uh, share the same values, that being uh, having the evidence to substantiate that these molecules should in fact be used in our formulas. Um, So if the good thing was, you know, seeing the work that they had done with the hair molecule Mm -hmm. um, and the testing behind it, it was definitely intriguing. So um, this is where once they are now looking into new skin molecules, it definitely got us excited. So, yep, 
that's where we are. We've been, you know, um, definitely Chemist Confessions is still our baby, but there is this new project on board and we're really excited to kind of be able to share some of these learnings and kind of bring this other industry insider knowledge out there for you guys um, just because this part is always very mysterious. So Mm -hmm. it's really exciting for us. Yeah, so um, stay tuned for more news. I wish we can share right now, like, which biological yeah. pathway this molecule is targeting. Mm. Oh. <laughs> what it's supposed to treat. Yeah. What's our benchmark in this project? Mm. There's a lot of details that we're still working on. Yeah. And we can't wait to share the findings with you guys in a few months. Uh, we'll be sharing more and more as as we're able to. Yeah. So stay tuned. And I definitely want to say that when we got connected, we checked out their tag, we checked out their... Uh, molecule discovery process we immediately put some requests in the wish bucket list yeah. to get the platform so yeah. hopefully we have more uh, more exciting news there as well yeah so stay tuned you'll probably see us do a little bit of social uh, platform shares just so we can show you their labs as well um, and kind of give you that insight um, but otherwise let's get back into our chemist confession side with first talking about our stock issue. Oh. Yeah, yeah, so it's, it's, uh, a, it's been a pretty brutal summer, guys. You know, <laughs> last exciting news, the blank slate is uh, once again out of stock. We opened up last episode saying, haha, everything should be back in stock. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next episode was like, guys, we're back here. I'm sorry. <laughs> but this, it's, it's awesome. Yes. Yeah. It's awesome that it's such a well-loved formula. Yeah. Honestly, we're learning so much through a lot of trial and error with the supply chain issues yeah this should be absolutely the last piece yeah. of it um for the foreseeable future but like it's um, everything should be healthily stocked for yeah. the next um for for forever more <laughs> um but yeah, yeah it should be back early september first week of september yeah so you know we'll have uh, a release date as we get closer to that time period um so definitely look for that announcement but otherwise we've got a lot of really uh uh, exciting things coming down the pipeline that we can't wait to talk about too Um, as gloria hinted at we've been working on some new formulas on top of some other formulas you might have forgotten about like mr reliable gen 2 okay anyway so (laughs) so yeah lots to share in the next few episodes to come but otherwise i think it's time for some good words yes moving on (laughs) Uh, The first one is about our Bon Voyage, which had its own issues with being out of stock, but we sorted that through and now it's in stock for everyone. Mm -hmm. Um, The title is Helps the Tret Purge. Uh, And this reviewer says, I started with tretinoin and Mm -hmm. this has helped so much. I use it as part of my skin cycling routine on my recovery nights. No more flakiness. It is so great for my lips, too, which I struggle with because I live in a desert, which Mm. we do, too. (laughs) I was also really excited to find uh, a certified vegan occlusive. Nice. Yeah, I think that was everything we intended for Bon Voyage. We highlight this because she got creative, and on the box itself, you'll see, like, we'll actually write, get creative, use it for those... Uh, dry patches whether it's lips 
cracked hands, fingers, whatnot, elbows. So that's great. And she knew exactly how to use it with her Trentinoan journey. So we're happy we could be there. So hooray. Yay. All right. Next one. So next one features our double play. Um, The title is really nice. Um, And she writes, I'm so happy with this treatment. I bought it specifically for my eye area. So I can't speak about it for the face, but the performance is so good as an eye cream. I imagine it's amazing for that as well. I have super sensitive eyes. I have to take allergy eye drops day and night, and this hasn't bothered them at all. I'm really, really happy to hear that. Double play, we specifically tested for the eye area. That was one of our first tests that we did with a derm, which is to make sure that, you know, uh, even though it has an effective dose of retinol at 0.3%, that it's still gentle enough for the very sensitive parts of skin. And yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So thanks for the nice words. Keep them coming. We're always proud of them because we don't pay for them. So they're all honest feedback um, and we learn and we read every one of them. So, all right. Short and sweet. Yes, but before we get in the news, mm. I just realized we haven't told everyone what we're drinking. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, we're, it's, we're a bit out of order today. But, uh, you want to ask me? <laughs> yeah, uh, so, what are we drinking today? Why is this so bad today? Yes, I Go, am. go, 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 go. Um, so you're hearing the clinking of ice, which is the problem we should have done. Um, today I have decided to mix uh, grapefruit with a little bit of gin, some lemon juice, and pineapple seltzer. Uh, oh, and then it turned out to be a little too sour, so then I added a sweetener called Orgeep. Um, Don't see <laughs> Uh, my significant other, my husband, is very into bartending. I know. Hard, hard term to say still. Um, but he's very into bartending. And he now is getting into various types of syrups. That's the flavor of the month is syrups. syrups. Yep. Nice. Syrups. We're going to move into uh, fermented alcohol soon, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We definitely don't uh, learn from him in our concoctions. <laughs> no. Uh, we still have nights where it's Gatorade and hard liquor. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a lie. Uh, he does not drink with us those nights. Um, all right. So on to the news. In the news. All right. Got to be honest, guys. It's summer. It's a slow week for news. Fun fact for those of you who don't work with Europeans. <laughs> around this time of year, everybody, I mean, it feels like the entire continent goes on summer vacation. It's, it's, a, it's so true. And so with that, um, we're going to keep this short and sweet, but it's so slow that we now have another mid-year emerging trends list that I thought I would share. And I figured we'd just check in. Also, I think this is very... Um, on theme for today's episode, but mm-hmm. also just to check in with where we are on trends as we're already past the half year mark. Um, way past, actually. Um, so, first trend that they have is inclusivity. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a cool trend. Yeah. I don't even know if it's a trend as this is something that has been pushed for a mm-hmm. few years now. Um, I'm sure you all are noticing that. Um, wider and wider shades um, for foundation on top of that inclusivity in 
uh, marketing uh, in skin types and testing that's all being demanded it's a great thing and we're there's more work to be done but mm -hmm. something that we're gonna continue to further and further look at and something that more uh, consumers are asking for so yeah it's always uh, good to see more data come out because obviously we do a lot of research and we present the study findings to you guys and a lot of times it's hard for us to speak on certain topics uh, especially when it comes to different skin types and skin tones because it just there isn't as much for us to go off on exactly and i mean it's true that I, we definitely get the question of you know for darker skin tones how does this is there a difference mm -hmm. in the effects and definitely for pig, uh, skin concerns like pigmentation that is definitely a valid concern so yeah all good things for sure the second one is getting personal yeah whatever next <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how many times i think this will just continue if you have this on your bingo card year after year you will win because every it will year. never go away honestly it just it, it was on everyone's trend list for what we were still mm. corporate chemists like that's it, how we bonded yeah bitching about it <laughs> because we both had to work on it yeah we both had projects that somewhere in that realm yeah and what it means for, if you guys have listened to us before, you'll know we go on these rants very regularly. <laughs> but with personalized skincare, it's a nice idea. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times it starts with maybe a diagnostic mm -hmm. or maybe just a skincare quiz. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of brands will now say things like, we, I'm compounding this just for your skin. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, based on a quiz or based on a couple of results it's really hard to say how does that translate to a formula so this personalization they tend to be just a little on the gimmicky side mm -hmm. yep yeah. totally agree next thing is beauty in the box and what they mean by that is just more is uh focus around sustainability reduction of packaging uh reduction of a brand's footprint on the environment and i think we all know this please refer back to the episode two episodes away. yeah in episode seven we try really hard to inject a lot of fun We're into so fun, a very dry topic <laughs> Um, it's a lot, and I think it's definitely all moving, hopefully going towards a meaningful and good direction, but inherently when we are so new, um, and by new, I mean, honestly, the work has been done for the past 10, 15, 20 yep. years, but we are still learning so much about ultimately, like, what's an, what is an actionable item that's going to be a net positive effect, because mm -hmm. there's always a trade-off, it's always a little bit more complicated than some people might lead you to believe, but the good thing is, with this much attention on it, we will see a lot more meaningful initiatives. Yep, for sure. Uh, the next one is the biotech boom. So on top of the whole ingestible trends, um, that's also geared towards, all, uh, they've been noticing a lot of lingo around biotechs um, and yeah, just general marketing around that story. Yeah, uh, we think it's great. Um, of course, we will stay vigilant to all the biotech trends because I mean, the two of us have spoken so much of faux science that's come out. Um, mm -hmm. People are understanding now that ingredient science is important to consumers, that people want to know that real science has been done. But it isn't that difficult to just enter the field and call yourself a biotech. So 100%. we definitely are looking forward to see what kind of um, brands come out in this space. Uh, I think way back in the day, I just saw, I think we talked about this, where skincare can sometimes be a tech recycling ground. Mm -hmm. um, 
So when I was in college, they talked about like, ooh, buckyballs. Buckyballs are really cool. It's like has all these potentials. It's like a carbon ball. So it has so much like drug delivery application, whatever. And also aerogel, lightest material known to man, but so strong. Oh my god, so strong. Bam! Found it in skincare five years later. Yeah, I can definitely <laughs> tell you I hate aerogel. So yeah. Arch- <laughs> do not make me work with it. <laughs> Spider silk too. And yeah. sometimes like, oh, promising, like mm-hmm. uh, so strong. So strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can we do in the textile industry? Bam! It's in skincare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, there's biotech and there's biotech. So again, it's while it's nice to see that people are trying to be more vigilant on the data science side, the tech side, um, it just, again, y'all know, it's marketing. Um, so, all right, so, and then the last one, which I really, it's, the whole purpose of this was to share this with Gloria, is called Science in Style. And basically, <laughs> is that us? Are we stylish? We're <laughs> so stylish. <laughs> All right, so this one is talking about traditional medicine, um, such as Ayurveda, Campo, traditional Chinese medicine, and how that's starting to integrate into scientific research for bioactive oh. natural products and traditional medicines. Uh-huh. Now, we definitely have some feels about this, but the reason why I brought it up is because I can totally see this. We're going to start cycling into the exotic extracts found on some mountain used in some, you know, mm-hmm. faraway village for thousands of years and into your skin, uh, skincare it goes. So it almost feels like we're slowly heading towards where we started. The recycling point? <laughs> yeah. So... First of all, I have a question. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Wait, <laughs> why the heck is this section called Science in Style? Again, slow summer. Guys. Is TCM Science in Style? <laughs> anyway, I have a lot of problems with the caption. It's it's so dumb, but... <laughs> I kind of feel like it is, though, because, like, the way gua sha is coming, acupuncture, oh. these trends, like, it kind of is the new style. Also, this sounds really hokey. But, you know, uh, I feel like this whole gua sha thing, it's, like, very, very, like, philosophical, but it's kind of, like, a weird, like, kai chi current whatever thing that's happening. Because <laughs> I honestly felt like it became a trend in the U.S. before mm-hmm. it re-became a trend in, the, in, in Asia. True. Because gua sha is, like, traditionally associated. You go in there with back pain, mm-hmm. and they take a stick and, then like, well, not actually a stick, but, like, the gua sha. Yeah, well, it's, aside it's from like the, the gua sha, they'll use sticks. <laughs> yeah. And they, like, you know, do their thing, put their back into it, methodically sometimes, <laughs> sometimes less so. But anyway, and and you see those, like, angry red marks. Um, kind of like... Cupping. Yeah, kind of like cupping, right? Like you do these things that's supposed to be... No pain, no gain. Yeah, therapeutic, but leaves a mark Mm -hmm. kind of thing. So that's always like how I thought about gua sha. So you go in there with a fever. (laughs) (laughs) Or you go in there with back pain and do the same thing. And it wasn't... To me, growing up, it wasn't really associated with beauty. Like maybe it was used in that sense. I was just too young to notice. But it wasn't trendy. It was like something like it's like your grandma's remedy type of thing. And then... But then... They made it, you know, cool. The jade. Yeah, the it's the jade. Jade, and the jade. jade rolls. Yeah, and it's like they made it a thing. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you see it back in Asia, too. And I'm like, that was not trendy. <laughs> it wasn't like a well-kept, like, secret yeah. that people have been doing. It's 
Yeah, it was kind of funny to me. So, again, I bring this up more also because, like, it's on one side good because there uh, there are but this is where we're like botanicals can be relevant mm-hmm. because there is like historical data though questionable on like uh, that the I would say quality of data but there is something to be said about that history sometimes so it is kind of cool to be able to bring you know to be able to look into these like historical ingredients but at the same time, I'm like, man, I'm just waiting for that, like, only uh, grows once every blue moon it's and gonna, put into your serum again. It's going to get there. And I think what bothers me the most, like, we ourselves, when we formulate our products, mm-hmm. it's with the belief that the best products need to balance the best of the botanical world mm-hmm. and the synthetics. But I think what's difficult is, like, as exactly, exactly as Victoria said, it's just so hard to discern between the foo-foo extract versus ones with data. Mm-hmm. So it's going to turn into a war of the story. Mm-hmm. So we'll yep. see where it goes and we'll let you guys know. Probably going to be a podcast episode mm-hmm. soon. All right, cool. Uh, while on this trend, I did want to share an article that I thought was done really well by L. They actually, the title of it is kind of interesting. They talk about how plastic... as a sustainable uh solution for beauty Mm -hmm. and they they definitely write it very well we'll share the link um but they basically it's kind of what we were talking about previously with how there's no true solution as as for i guess for sustainable materials in beauty Mm -hmm. um and they talk about how water consumption to create plastic Uh, the recyclability of plastic versus other materials and the other thing that they talk about is what we've been trying to say is that you need your packaging to be robust Mm -hmm. not only robust on the fill line you need it to be robust to endure its shelf life so um, I just wanted to share that in this article here because you know I think it's when people hear like you know virgin all plastic it sounds like these people hate the planet but it is the state of kind of the infrastructure of our recycling right now and how do we find solutions to i guess mitigate those challenges yeah uh yeah i think that's such a good point and something we highlighted it last well two episodes ago mm-hmm. is it's a multifaceted problem right mm-hmm. glass sounds nice and it's traditionally associated with better sustainability mm-hmm. But it's really heavy, so you are creating a lot more carbon footprint when we are um, mm-hmm. when in transport. So mm-hmm. how does it all balance out? It's a big problem. It's not really up to any one person to solve it. The industry have to work as a collective to solve it. I think another area that's not beauty related, but I always find interesting is food um, in the food container and Tupperware. People have turned to the um, the brown paper packaging that looks really nice, but because it has to put up food grease, there's always a plastic lining mm-hmm. on the inside or like a, a different coating mm-hmm. to make it usable for mm-hmm. food. And and then and then what? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, you know, we one of the things we have to say is like the good thing with this industry is that I almost want to say. The, with the consumer awareness, there's a much stronger initiative to change and find mm-hmm. better solutions. Whereas in the food industry, it just seems like this awkward thing that no one can figure out, you know, especially with, you know, the volume, the supply chain, the material. So 
anyways, it just as much as we feel like, oh, it's never better. It's like at least there is work being done and there's yeah, we're just slowly step by step. We'll get there. Hopefully. Mm-hmm. All right, cool. So moving on. I have one more piece of article to share. Um, this isn't so much beauty, yeah, maybe, but oral care is actually pretty important in terms of aging. Um, the reason being is that um, your general jawline and your your dental. Well, we did a post a long time ago. It's long, the long pictures time ago. are terrifying. Yeah, well, it basically, is the longer you can keep your dental up the better your aging will be because that is an integral part to your face structure. I have recently recently developed the habit of feeling the muscles on my face. Uh I'm like, hmm. Grinding? Yeah, I grind. I'm a grinder. Uh, Me too. So then there are days I'm like, you're going to crap out on me one day. (laughs) Are you just going to die on me? (laughs) Or just explode? You know what, too, is I'm not even a grinder. I'm a chomper. (laughs) No. Yeah, like, so Adam will tell me that he can hear, like, teeth, like, just going like this. He, he hears it, and then he put a ring on it. <laughs> Damn, that is so true. He sleeps with noise cancellation. Like, uh, if, if it's me, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm surprised you haven't heard it. Actually, yeah, I, I haven't, but I have found your trail contact. <laughs> Okay, anyway, so, yes. um, but yeah, so with that, um, just want to share that Colgate Palmolive, they have filed a patent for an at-home AI oral health device. That man's teeth is ridiculously sparkling. <laughs> we'll show the article anyway. here. Um, and through that, what they plan is to basically help monitor your, your and map out your oral and your teeth uh, health basically Uh um so i think recently in the news we all heard that amazon just purchased uh irobot roomba and now everyone's panicking that now amazon actually knows the maps of our house which they have probably already known a little bit or they've been a long time (laughs) yeah but now colgate palmolive might know the maps of our house I don't like it. <laughs> but for your good, but for your health, Corey. Well, I wouldn't really know how they would use data of your oral cavity for evil anyway. <laughs> Wait, but is it like an imaging software? I think it's both. Yeah, it is for imaging um, and almost wants it to be like a diagnostic device mm-hmm. um, that probably could be paired with, you know, um, dentist, dental offices um, and just general... Uh, what is it? More umbrella overarching care. Um, yeah, so with that, um, it'll be interesting to see what that actually pans out to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I read this, I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess that makes sense, but also feels very intrusive. <laughs> you know what? Colgate, if you need marketing advice or if you need someone to you know, bounce ideas off of, reach out to us because I can't imagine what that consumer education and yeah. education... Uh, Education and compliance will be like because yeah. I think they're using a lot of lingo like ooh real time changes. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna like stop by by lunch right? BRB mapping out my oral cavity. <laughs> like how often are people supposed to use this? And also like at what point does the lingo get passive aggressive and annoying? I'm like, did you floss today? Mm, I don't know if you flossed today. Yeah, <laughs> I saw them. <laughs> 
Yeah, so... Because the oral care world is really missing something patronizing. Um, yeah, so anyways, just want to talk about, you know, we, we definitely seen AI in skincare, and now there's actually, you know, this concept is not necessarily new, but um, big data is always a hot topic, and that seems to be moving into other things like toothbrushes and your oral care so so i was just thinking while you're talking i was thinking i was like how would they execute it because i think to convince people to lengthen their oral care timeline is like kind of asking for a little bit because i was assume you need to take pictures from a few different angles mm -hmm. so i was like whoa what if it's like a wall mount device and you just go only you would come up with that <laughs> idea <laughs> your workout a gate opens and the device comes out and you just bite down on it it's too much it's too much and i guess it's like jaw strengthening as well yes oh my god a face Perfect gym time. and there scanning all in one mm -hmm. we got oh you. my god <laughs> and people have stopped listening <laughs> all right so anyways it's been a slow news week but this does actually help bring us into the meet which we're very excited about um so we're gonna be playing this game today about and it's basically very simple is is it a gimmick and gloria and i have signs we are these are all upside down <laughs> gloria and i have signs and we're gonna say the topic and then on the count of three, Gloria and I will both say and hold up Ooh. how we feel about it. Mm -hmm. All right. So the, I got to also remember which one is which. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. So the first topic is acne patches. All right. Ready? Three, yeah. two, one. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think the follow-up question that. Ava so kindly asked is, are they all created equal? Definitely not. Yeah. And I think acne patch, the thing you remember is like, I almost held up both of them because mm -hmm. it kind of depends on what you expect from them. Because mm -hmm. um, ultimately, they, they kind of shield you from outside aggression, aggressors, aggression. <laughs> well, it Ooh. could be aggression <laughs> if you're an active picker. So it kind of acts as a shield. Some do have... Uh, components that's supposed to kind of dry out skin mm -hmm. a little bit, help suck up that positive bits of very active angry inflamed acne but it's not something that will replace other topicals for long-term acne care yeah you also hear about patches that talk about this kind of like micro needle component uh -huh. um where it's like minute deliveries of like cell acid or some sort of topical ingredient and that's where it gets very tough because you know that material um the amount of topical I, I just, I think for me personally, I wouldn't necessarily uh, make that a priority. Um, you're really just using the hydrocolloidal patch more as, you know, protection from people like myself who might touch my face and especially touch it more when acne is on my face. And then, yeah, uh, oral absorption. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So just to follow that in terms of gimmick, uh, the next one is... Uh, is toothpaste for acne a gimmick? All right, ready? Three, two, one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is a gimmick. Um, I think people, it's one of those trends before TikTok. Uh, we probably heard about it through 
YouTube. I this all sound like I feel like a grandma for saying I this. I know. I'm like, Kids are still using toothpaste yeah. back in my day. Yeah, yeah, toothpaste, baking soda, those go hand in hand. You know what's funny is I I've always shared that I have dry skin. Mm. I don't really get acne. I had the occasional couple on um, growing up. And what's interesting, it sounds, <laughs> I complained to my one of my friends with a lot of acne back in school. Cause it's like when I have occasional one angry acne, I don't know what to do with it. So then I actually have done all of those things. Cause I don't, <laughs> I don't get it. Oh, re- no. Yeah, I actually, I don't get it regularly enough to get like a cell acid face wash or acne treatment. Cause those will dry out my face too a long term. But if I have one really big angry one, I will grab that toothpaste. I've done the whole cru- crushed aspirin thing where I'm like, uh, no. does it help? Yeah, it didn't. And I was like, oh, guys. Yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, so, um, well, there might be a component of it um, where it does help mildly with oil absorption. We'll say, yeah, this is a gimmick. It's not going to be the thing that uh, quickly erases, you know, your acne lesion. So let's let's let that die. Mm. All right, I think this one's a good one. Next one is tea tree oil. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Yeah, legit. So, um, and I would say legit ish. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. So there actually are a few <clears throat> studies on tea tree oil. Um, I think the issue here is tea tree oil pure is very strong mm-hmm. um, it actually can cause burns uh, if and so you often find it diluted or they'll recommend you to dilute it so you'll find um, anywhere between t- I think the highest amount you want to go for is 10%, 10. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah but there is some data on how it can be can serve as an antibacterial um, and so that you know it is something that's worth a try but again these are all things that are like nothing would ever replace your actual acne heavy hitters like BPO and adapalene. Um, all right, cool. And I think this one is because Gloria loves this one. Uh, okay, this is those mysterious clays that you see on TikTok where you, can they actually erase your pores and make them less visible? Yeah. All right, ready? Three, two, <laughs> one. <laughs> I love those commercials. <laughs> I always finish watching them. Yeah, and we're going to show a video of that. Oh my happening. god, they're hilarious. They're also so bossy. Yeah, they're clearly not based in the country. Yeah. But I think they're hilarious and because I always finish watching them, they will they keep serving the same ads to yeah. me and it legit it's like essentially it's almost like um when you Photoshop an image and you have a brush yeah, over it, that's exactly, exactly what it does. Yeah. They'll show a clay mask or something, and then they they wipe it off. Yeah. And then at the same time, it's like skin went from peppery to smooth. <laughs> you look like it's amazing because you'll see the texture of skin, and all of a sudden there's zero texture in skin. Yeah, someone found a filter button yeah. before, be, between before and after, yeah. and that's what exactly what it looks like. And I think they're hilarious because like a part of me is like. People don't fall for that, right? <laughs> but you know, when you get desperate enough, mm. I feel like they'll be like, okay, I'm not going to get that, but maybe I'll get somewhere some in between that. that. I get that. So I think um, pores is also a notoriously difficult problem mm-hmm. in skincare. Mm-hmm. We never dedicate a whole meat of the podcast to this because there isn't a ton of great, fantastic news. Let so- us know if you want to hear a rant about your pores <laughs> yeah so 
there's things you can do to minimize the appearance thereof and to make sure that you're taking care of skin to the best of your ability but nothing is gonna erase pores per se and when you're talking about clinical clinically proven to shrink pore size or shrink the appearance of pores it's um they'll talk about 20 percent reduction but from a visibility standpoint it's not gonna go from oh i have more pores than i want to no pores at all so it's unfortunately just one of those issues where you can do your best but it's not gonna get to you know the the polished egg skin type of look yeah and i think um the other thing too is like especially with blackheads they are so stubborn a lot of times we have to suggest Mm -hmm. using both chemical and mechanical exfoliation and it's not something that's gonna just be gone overnight it's something that it's kind of just this um it it takes a lot of diligence and also a a balance because if you over exfoliate then that only makes your situation worse i have dry skin but i'm very prone to uh, blackheads mm. i'm gonna do a point where i don't really care anymore <laughs> but this is only me <laughs> <laughs> yeah so and i'm pretty minimalistic in my skincare but i if i'm like in a mood of getting rid of my blackhead it's like a 12-step routine mm-hmm. you like warm the skin you dehydrate it yeah. with the clay mask you use a chemical exfoliant you you let that soak in and then you take it off and then you scrub it it's it's a whole thing Gloria, did you ever use nose strips? I have. They don't work. They also can like really take skin off. Yeah. <laughs> I've happened before. I've used one where it's not it's not like it doesn't come in a strip, it's like a gel form. Mm-hmm. It's like the I don't know if you remember that video that went viral of someone that used a peel off oh, mask. The black the black <laughs> and the lady She's starts like screaming <laughs> bloody murder. <laughs> it literally peeled off like ah <laughs> I've used that for my nose. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. Um, not as bad as that lady had it. But it's like it took out more skin than blackhead. So it made the blackheads look even angrier. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, now it's like 3D blackhead <laughs> rather than 2D. Because <laughs> everything else is gone. But yeah, it's a whole thing. And after a while, I'm like, you know what? I do my best. I already like exfoliate uh, enough. And I think I do decently for the rest of my skin tinted sunscreen will do the job <laughs> mm, actually that's a good point huh? oh sorry one more thing is like i mentioned the 3d blackheads uh that's the only thing that i care about really getting rid of now because like even then if you co- if you want to cover it up if you have that that blackhead texture it will show up yeah. the powder will gather around it yeah. so that's the only thing i um when when it comes to exfoliating stuff i prioritize not drying out skin but as long as there isn't like a mushroom patch and i'm okay <laughs> also fun fact um in vizia and clinical testing they actually have a light setting that can um basically highlight your blackhead i don't like and it and it's really unsettling it's so <laughs> it makes you feel like you should scrub your face off so those of you looking at sunscreen you're probably like what are you talking about? Your skin looks pretty good. Yeah, well, if it's because there is an Invisia type light on yeah. it. I still remember when we worked at L'Oreal and um, they walked through a lot of the clinical equipment that people have to mm-hmm. measure skin mm-hmm. and they let you experience it. And like I pop my head in the Visia. It's like a control lighting thing. And there is a, there's, also, there's a lot of different settings. Mm-hmm. And a very basic one looks like UV damage kind of like mm-hmm. under the skin. So pigmentation you can't see with the visible eye. Yeah. She literally turned on the filter and went, whoa. <laughs> 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 I 
Jeez, keep it in, woman. <laughs> I mean, you guys will see it when we do the sunscreener. Mm-hmm. You'll see that suddenly you'll see all the, the underneath pigmentation. Mm-hmm. Not nice. And then the worst part about the blackhead part is that the blackhead lighting. They glow. They glow. It's neon. So it's like extra annoying. Um, but anyways, all right. We digressed. Going back to is it a gimmick? Um, we're going to move on from acne. Um, and the next one we want to know is anti-pollution skincare. I think this one's like might need more context, but mm-hmm. all right. Ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. <laughs> gimmick. Um, <laughs> I have, Both, maybe? Yeah, I kind of have legit in the background. Yeah, and, and to explain, it's because the skincare itself, um, anyone that, for the most part, those that uh, use it as a marketing claim, testing behind any of that um but pollution's impact on skin is a real thing mm-hmm. you want to go into that gloria yeah so i think in our early days we did a few posts and maybe a podcast about this Ooh, excuse me but there are actually a lot of interesting studies that measure the impact of pollution mm. it goes from uh big population studies where they go to people who live in big cities kind of compa- uh, compare how their skin mm-hmm. ages versus people in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And then there's more control studies where you expose your skin to a heavy dose of um, pollutants, such as sticking your arm in a chamber full of cigarette smoke. I don't know who's smoking in there. It might be digital, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> to see how it affects skin. And time and time... Like an I'm, old lady. Yeah, like, all right, what do you mean? <laughs> I got a four pack today. That's all. <laughs> I'm just. I'm pretty sure it's they just light it up and let it go. But <laughs> you gotta listen to this old woman. You just sit there, like, all right, honey. <laughs> she gets paid to smoke a twelve pack every day. Yeah, that's right. messed up. <laughs> anyway, so in these like chambers, you obviously you get exposed to a higher dose than you no- normally would. But it's a good way to kind of see in this accelerated setting what it does for skin. And time and time again, it doesn't matter the study type, it showed that pollutants of all types accelerate skin aging. And the first signs that you'll see is typically pigmentation. Um, if they do biopsies, they can sometimes show that collagen degradation might be an issue as well, which insinuates that it does cause aging. Now on the product side, they're like, Oh, wow, no, that's really bad. Uh, I think people should wash their faces and wear sunscreen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, there are a few ingredients out there that actually have been looked at for this. But actually translating that into testing, like kind of Gloria was saying, there's it's very creative. There's no like real standardized way of doing this because ultimately it's a chronic issue it takes a much longer time frame to really establish and also because we know that pigmentation can be caused by other issues it's really hard to say like oh yes this is strictly from an anti-pollution angle um so it's it's again one of those claims in skincare where you're like yeah i don't know yeah there are ingredients out there what they claim is it kind of acts as a simple like shield on Mm -hmm. your skin that prevents permeation of pollutant particles but, but then, yeah you don't really yeah. see that i don't think any brand is really going to those lengths to prove that on top of that that's why they're like well sunscreen acts like a film right so that mm. totally works and if you wash your skin of these pollutants then that should work 
in some ways that is true but yeah so again kind of one of those things where you're like "Mm." yeah yeah so wash your face and wear sunscreen (laughs) yeah um all right next one so this one is blue light protection skincare all right three two one gimmick yeah there's no legit to follow up with none none of that for Gloria it's like hard gimmick yeah I get really annoyed with this one because some people get like a whole kick out of it like their whole brand is I don't know I think during COVID Mm -hmm. was its biggest Mm -hmm. spotlight because everyone spent so much time at home and uh, instead of the sun being a major issue it was about your computer screens and um, it's very important to know that that amount is so minimal and so insignificant in comparison to the blue light you may actually be getting from the sun, you know. Yeah. So in that sense, we're like, nah, yeah, they just don't even pay any mind. Yeah. In a recent episode, we talked about the UV milk, uh, the mm. new the new sunscreen from La Roche-Posay mm-hmm. that covers all the way up to the edge of the visible light spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so to us, that's kind of interesting. And there are... There are like studies that kind of show these like more energy intensive visible light, such as blue light, does cause skin damage. But as Victoria said, it's you get it more from just day to day living life than from your screens. Yeah. So the source and how much your screen damage your skin is a little overblown. And the secondly is like the how, right? Because in terms of filtering out UV light, um, the most direct way is something anything tinted, anything makeup. Those things do kind of Mm-hmm. Um, blocks them off that oxides. out yeah and then in terms of other positioning against blue light some people will just turn to good old antioxidants mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the anti-pollution thing it's like well wash your face wear sunscreen and moisturize <laughs> your skin you should be fine and i think but believe in i believe in the pollution part impact much more than blue light yes absolutely and and then another thing is i think brands just like they overstate what kind of because blue light protection isn't something that anyone is really measuring like mm-hmm. a how much are you being exposed to but it's not like a sunscreen test where you know you have a source of blue light and you measure how much you block out they don't do that we got a tip with a brand one single blue or one single blue moon <laughs> way back in the day where we kind of went uh yeah they were too heavy. <clears throat> yeah um hey uh your 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 blue light <coughs> protection claim is we just said we just made a whole thing about blue light about how that claim isn't super valid. I got very mad. Said that there, uh, how can you slander our products? It's very well tested. Yada yada yada. We we're like, okay, uh, show us the data. Like, yeah, show us how you tested it. Yeah, I mean, we're here to learn too. We're more than happy to issue a correction and even do a whole promo mm-hmm. on your methodology if you want to share with us. Crickets. Well, it's crickets yeah. after that. The thing is, like, and and that's a really good point, and kind of the issue with, you know, anti-pollution is, like, there's no standardized method because there's no, there's no good understanding of blue light and how it will be measurable in terms of impact on skin. And that's why, like, you, we've, we've asked those questions, too, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, um, asking third-party clinics, like, how are we how can a brand even be able to make that claim? And it's flexible. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to like nicely it's put very it. Bendy. It's like my fig tree. <laughs> it's very bendy. Picture of fig tree hair. <laughs> like this. Yeah. So 
you know, this is definitely one of those where we just want to look at. I will say, I am just so amazed. Sometimes I'm like, very, I, I want to defend um, users in this industry because mm -hmm. I'm like, they literally went from eye care, blue light protection to skincare. And I'm like, man, that's just preying upon like other trends and trying to like make a quick buck. And it just, me to know that we should get a shame bill or something. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. <laughs> all right anyway so we're moving on all right next one <clears throat> diy skincare all right <sighs> three two one Ta -da! <laughs> yeah we think it's a gimmick the end a lot <laughs> most of it for the most part yeah. i think it definitely ranges from harmless fun things you can do at home yes, to holy crap please don't do that yep uh i think when uh gloria is saying harmless that these are things that usually involve honey um because honey can be seen as a humectant um and they usually mix it with oats or you know some sort of milk and um we'll just say make it fresh Use it once. Yeah, move please. on. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't, don't reuse, be. recycle. Yeah. Make a cookie dip. while you're waiting for it. <laughs> yeah. Put it in a smoothie. You know, like I. Um, so those are, we would say, generally harmless. There is one DIY. That I was can, just going to say, that's such a good point. I think sometimes I don't really care about DIY stuff, but I also didn't see the harm in it until I realized some people are storing it in a jar. Yeah. And yeah. And we, our jobs, one of the. Uh, big part of our job is to make sure nothing grows in your formulas and i'm sure you all know that things love to grow in food so mm -hmm. yeah all right so there's that the other thing i will say um is uh this is not skin so that's why i still think you know in skin it's gimmick but coconut oil in hair is actually is very helpful um the molecule and structure itself is actually does very well for um that sort of hydration and nourishment. So that would be the one thing if I wanted to put an asterisk to this category is that. I can't but, do it. You know why? You smell like coconut shrimp. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> oh, oh I want to say I got a good Bahama breeze. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. It's such a signature scent. Okay, um, but there is one DIY that we will absolutely bash and Gloria herself has witnessed it firsthand. If you sell a homemade sunscreen, F you. <laughs> I'm sorry. But no, uh, you see a lot of recipes online and you can find peddlers of it at farmer's market or like handcraft shops. DIY sunscreen is an absolute no-go. And we have met people that's like, oh, you're a skincare chemist. Isn't that just like adding zinc to lotion? And putting it in a blender? It is not. Uh, <laughs> don't do that. And you're 99% guaranteeing that you're not getting the protection you think you're getting. No. Um, if you're storing it, um, a lot of people, a lot of recipes online um, just blend zinc oxide into some sort of oil you can buy. Yep. Even if it turns out to be kind of like a balmy type of texture, zinc oxide is very heavy. It can settle in your formula over time. So even if it's well blended, by the time you... Storage load, tap it, oops. Uh, by the time you put it on your skin, what level of that zinc oxide that is, who knows? Yeah. Not to mention in actual formulas that you buy on the market, there's other things that help it glide into an even film. When you're blending with a kitchen blender in just like coconut oil or whatever, it's very unlikely that it's gonna sit on your skin in an even film. 
But Gloria, I can just simply shake it out very vigorously and it will be uniform, right? No, please don't do that. Please but don't anyway. do that. <laughs> please don't do that. Your arm does not go as fast as something that's electric power. <laughs> I'm sorry, what do you say your arm? <laughs> if it is, um, vibrators will be out of business. So let's keep moving along, shall we? <laughs> You said it. I, I was know. thinking it, but I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I was like thinking about this motion. I was like, just a lot of things. <laughs> it needs to be battery powered. Uh, uh, all right. Anyways, yes. anyway, it's not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Some uh, skin cancer is no joke. Some protection is very serious. So definitely, definitely don't go that route. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the claims corner. Uh. Today will be a little different and will be a little bit more serious than our typical claims corner, like making fun of ridiculous claim things. Um, we are going to talk about the very viral, the fan favorite, A313 French retinoid. So before we get into it, just a really quick recap. Retinoid is the umbrella term mm-hmm. for a lot of vitamin A-based ingredients Mm -hmm. so it's a whole family of ingredients it is the generic term it doesn't refer to any specific molecule Mm -hmm. uh names like retinol uh adapalene Mm -hmm. now those refer to actual molecules in the retinoid family Mm -hmm. so a313 uses retinal palm Mm -hmm. if you what 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 retinal palm (laughs) retinal palm day they call it nothing i would hear about that molecule for a while it is uh they call it a French retinoid ester. Oh. Uh, yes. It is an ester form of retinol. If you've read, the yes. bo- read our books, Think You're Decoded, if you have heard us talk about it, we don't like that one. No. That, we call it the just put it in the trash kind of retinol. That's <laughs> where it belongs. Um, Wait. We can explain. Because, you know, your retinoid receptor, um, there is... Uh, basically, retinoic acid, tretinoin, is the direct molecule that interacts with that receptor. And then retinol, actually, no, I should start with um, retinaldehyde, is the next derivative down that would be converted to retinoic acid. And the second one out is retinol. And then the dormant uh, part would be retinal palm. That's the mm-hmm. storage <clears throat> form of this retinoid, retinoic acid. And that's why we hate on it. <laughs> yeah, so in terms of efficacy, it's thought of as below both mm-hmm. retinol and retinol mm-hmm. and, of course, the original tretinone. Mm-hmm. So why is this so popular? Uh, let's go through the claims and let's go through a couple studies on retinol palm. Mm-hmm. We should say that like any vitamin A type products out there, the big issue is always stability. Mm-hmm. So retinol palm is both far removed from your retinol, uh, retinoic acid receptor mm-hmm. And it's not very stable. So that's, for those reasons, <laughs> we have to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit out on giving retinal palm an offer. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just one of those kind of whatever kind of retinoid. But of course, as technology advanced, there are different ways to stabilize it. Mm-hmm. So what um, A303 is claiming that uses a macrogel technology that in, essentially soft core encapsulates the retinal, so, um, the retinal palm and make sure that it's stable. Now, it, uh, microgel technologies in general is a pretty hot topic in the retinoid world. It's applied to all other retinoids. Yep. Um, it's applied to <clears throat> it's applied to retinoic acid as well as tazeratine and other type of retinoid, uh, retinoids. And it has made a pretty big difference in terms of how stable it can remain. 
Uh, not to mention, A313 does put it in an aluminum tube that is usually pretty, it's pretty airtight. Um, even though it has a kind of a big nozzle, um, it does help with stability. So here is where we kind of have minor issues with this product. Uh, <clears throat> it is, it claims to have 200,000 UI, which at first I was like, what is an UI? Do you mean IU, which is an international unit? Sometimes you'll see IU on your supplements because <clears throat> it's kind of a supplemental term. Basically, one IU is what is considered effective um, in skin to make it or in body to make a difference. It's not really used topically. So for them to say, oh, it is 200,000 IU, my, what does that mean? Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing UI is just French for IU because it's, I'm guessing, please don't kill me, French people. It's like, so what that translates to for you is I looked it up and um, she did the math. I did the math. One IU for vitamin A is 0.3 micrograms. Um, so 200,000 translates to 0.06 grams total in this tube. And it's 50 grams of formula per tube. So that translates to 0.12% of retinal palm. That is not super duper impressive because we always talk about how retinol, which is closer to the receptor than retinal palm, um, the effective levels being about 0.3 to 1. Mm -hmm. uh, retinol is effective at 0.1 as well. You can get it at lower doses. If it's a stable format, it will still work. But to have a retinol palmitate at only 0.12 is a little concern. Of course, like the claim superior stability maybe that makes a difference but it's still pretty low so we thought we would just go through some studies on actual retinal palmitate to see well does it do anything for skin mm -hmm. a lot of studies on retinal palm is pretty old actually yeah it's not a new ingredient at all yeah unless this french retinal palm is um some sort of modified retinal palm that's unfamiliar to us but we're just going to review retinal palm as we know it and what the data says yeah, so uh, th this is part of the reason why we wrote up retinal palm so soon because they've looked at it all the way back in the 70s, yeah. in the 80s, and then they're like, meh. So if history had wrote it off, so yeah. Uh, I found this paper from 1988, uh, and it looked at topical administrations of increasing doses between 0.1% to 5%. That's a lot. Again, in skincare, we usually talk about percent weight. We don't use like international units okay anyway <laughs> not salty not salty no not salty <laughs> they made me do the mess you're right, you're right. <laughs> that's fair that's fair yeah. uh they for 14 days which is a really short time mm. it's in a suitable cosmetic vehicle whatever that really means and they notice significant dose related changes to skin composition mm. i think this is really important because a lot of people will argue like oh even though it's low because of xyz reasons it's still relevant yep. or they will they will be like oh percentages don't really matter with ingredients of retinol it is dose dependent so mm -hmm. it absolutely does matter <clears throat> Um, they kind of looked at the data of, because it's only 14 days, you're not going to get data on wrinkle reduction or anything like that. Um, they, uh, they looked at the, the biopsy data and saw 32% increase of pro, uh, protein per unit and a maximum of 128% increase of collagen per unit of skin, uh, of skin surface area. Interesting. Sounds promising. Again, remember that this goes all the way up to 5%, and this is an animal study. 
Ah, yes. there it is. So, again, it's kind of early promises that uh, maybe it does do something. Mm-hmm. But it does imply that you need much higher levels. I couldn't find a study that's done in the same kind of protocol with retinol. So it's hard to make a direct comparison sure. to what this model means. And then I found one more study. And I want to add that in terms of if you just Google really randomly retinol studies versus retinol pomatase studies, you'll find about a gazillion retinal studies and probably only a handful of decent retinol pomatase studies. So again, we're talking about a huge gap in data here. I found one more that is done on humans um, from 1993. <clears throat> it is a randomized comparative double-blind yep, study of topical administration of two different formulations of retinal palmitate. Okay. Two different formulations at 2% for three months. It has uh, The study has 20 females, so not a super big study, mm-hmm. but enough for us to infer something. Mm-hmm. Um, and they saw a significant increase in skin thickness and better elasticity, okay. as well as good in-person self-evaluation of improvement. Okay. The conclusion was basically this formulation with 2% retinal palm is effective. And again, it doesn't really compare to other retinoids. So I guess what we're trying to highlight here with these two studies is in terms of sheer amount of data available, retinal or prescription retinoid such as tretinoin, is still the gold standard here. It's yep. still the way to go. Yep. If you're curious about this product because there's so many people talking about how it changed your life, it is the best retinol ever or retinoid ever out there. Um, if you have experience with other retinoids and you know how to use them and your skin is comfortable with it, I wouldn't say this is something that's really worth exploring. Um, just stay on course, uh, stay on course with what you already use. Um, for people who are really sensitized by retinol and want to try to get some benefits from it, it doesn't hurt to try it. I will say the 0.12%, and I couldn't find uh, actual clinical data done by this pro- uh, this company on this formula. So I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> okay, yeah. all the studies out there said 2%, but you're 0.12. Okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I think um, also I, I just want to share that, like, you know, um, this is obviously uh, U.S. side looking into French pharmacies, and, mm-hmm. and the way they purchase skincare is incredibly different than here in some ways. And so I think, like, if you were to just look at the tube and branding itself, you would think that this would be a tretinoin, like a prescription product. Prescription product, and it is really interesting to know that it is not tretinoin; it is retinol palm, and I think. Um, definitely what you said about making sure that you are not substituting your tretinoin that's working for you for this, but for people who just are trying to introduce a retinoid but haven't had much luck, that is definitely your category. If you are entertaining things like bakukiel, um, that we definitely say this makes more sense. But otherwise, we still don't like retinol palm. Yeah, <laughs> we I still did, don't like this, traditional retinol palm. This product palm. doesn't really convince us of retinol palm. I will say there are a lot of people that you have used it and claimed that this product is actually really aggressive and does cause peeling. Also, because it does come from Europe, when I was doing my homework, I noticed a lot of like conflicting information, different claims yeah. around it, um, concerns about potential fake products out there. All in all, I don't think I'm convinced. Um, but yeah, let us know what your experience experience has been if you've tried this product before. Yeah, for sure.
But yeah, thanks for doing the math, Gloria. I uh, <laughs> I'm still salty about the IU. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Um, so, and that's it for Claims Corner. We are going to wrap up the meet with the second part of our Is It a Gimmick or Not? And we're going to start off with as we wrap up summer, which is yeah. kind of sad. Um, first things first, SPF 100 plus. All right. Three, two, one. Well, okay, that's fair. Yeah, I, I put gimmick. Gloria put gimmick and legit, and I, I like Gloria's answer better, actually. <laughs> um, the reason being, it's not that the science is wrong, but mm-hmm. in a way, it's gimmicky because it's kind of a waste. Yeah, so um, to give context, we talked about how SPF is on a lock scale, which yeah. means SPF 100 doesn't mean it's twice as effective uh, as SPF 50. Yeah. Uh, at SPF 50, you're blocking out roughly 98% of the UVB rays, but at 100, you're blocking out 99%. Ooh, so you get an extra percent. Uh, I put up gimmick versus legit because exactly as Victoria said, the measurement that gives you that number it is what it is, right? It's the same methodology that's going to get you that number. It is correct. The reason why it's a little gimmicky is because, A, it implies that it is super duper extra effective. 100% shielding, which is not, you won't ever reach right. that. Super bold. Like, it just doesn't imply something very honest. Um, but then on the flip side, uh, and then to continue that training is people using SPF 100, it's very likely that your formula doesn't feel very good. Mm -hmm. So it's very unlikely that you're using close to the amount of sunscreen that you would use otherwise. Yep. Um, That said, this this is literally a topic that goes like this. There's like little arguments (laughs) on both sides. Um, There's that famed, was it J&J that did that ski study? Where they, yeah, they gave people SPF 50. It's basically their thing of saying how SPF 100 is totally legit. And they have found that the SPF 100 tend to do better with skiers like they got better protection their argument was kind of like oh you know they use it as they would but since people always under apply if the formula has higher protection they are likely to get better protection period at the end <laughs> it wasn't quite the case here so yeah um we always like to remind you like please don't try to feel like you're wrestling with yourself to use the highest amount of SPF. Um, Use something that you're going to wear happily every day and reapply. So you've heard that enough. Moving on. All right. Next thing. Men's skincare. Is it a gimmick? All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. I think it's kind of both. And we'll tell you why. It's, It's one is, you know, is men, first of all, let's start with the simple question of is men's skin different than women? And in some ways it is because with testosterone and the androgens, you are going, men tend to produce a lot more oil. That's also why uh, acne in men is a lot more common and can be a lot more severe. Mm -hmm. Um, So with that, yes. And that's why you'll notice that, you know, with men's skincare, probably the only difference you'll see is a difference in texture. Um, but otherwise, the actives, the topicals, the you know ingredients that you're using uh, in comparison to women are all the same. Yeah, I, I actually put out the legit mostly because I'm like, well, how else would I know your product is minty <laughs> <laughs> or scrubby <Yeah. laughs> or smells like axe <laughs> and pine? <laughs> 
<laughs> I need my cedar body wash. <laughs> I look from then skincare. Um, uh, so that um, <clears throat> Old Spice commercial is really for you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that I really like was Ava pointed out is price point for mm-hmm. men's skincare versus women. It's very it's significantly different we have to incentivize men to use better skincare with cheaper formulas um and i think that yeah but i think um that's slowly changing i think so i think um i've seen a couple brands a couple men's skincare brand that uses niacinamide they talk about the retinoids Mm -hmm. they talk about sun protection and have a more elevated price tag and more sophisticated formulas because of it i do think the general sentiments that like they face like an education gap but what i do like about those brands is like it's at least gender neutral and Mm -hmm. like i and and it's good skincare that anyone excuse oily can use so yeah talking about our brand (laughs) yeah mr reliable (laughs) no it's it's such a good point and Mm. I think um, the thing we kind of wanted to point out is the question of should you be buying for your gender? Mm. Um, should you, as a male, um, buy a men's skincare line? And that's definitely not the case. I think uh, more often than not, most men are introduced by their partners and their mm-hmm. wives. And yeah, that's a. Uh, totally fine i have a new slogan for us kind of or uh-huh. a new uh ad- one-liner advice okay if you want problem solving skincare if you find us we'll give you great advice <laughs> on that department but if you want if you just want to foray try products i would take the marie kondo approach uh, here yeah. especially with like gender-based skincare buy and use what brings you joy don't think too hard about it it's yeah. it, it's not divided by gender so strictly on formulation size exactly and this is 2022 mm-hmm. yeah that doesn't matter. All right, cool. So that's it for men's skincare. Moving on. All right, next topic. Sheet masks. Um, this one's kind of a tough one for me. All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, legit. Yeah. But with the right expectation. Exactly. I think that was exactly <laughs> what I was going to say is as long as you go into it, with the right level of expectations, you won't be disappointed. Yeah. The idea is to super soak your skin, uh, to give it that extra boost of hydration. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. And I think um, people tend to, uh, this was going to lead into the next topic, but I'm going to push them all together, is like people like to refrigerate. Um, I love refrigerating my sheet masks. Mm-hmm. And so is temperature a factor in, in skincare or actually just skin health? And yeah, I guess... Uh, I guess we like, uh, are, are we doing a card for temperature? No, oh, you, you want to do a card? Okay, okay let's card. do it. Too. All right, ready. So for hot, cold, does temperature uh, have an effect on skin? All right, ready. Three, two, one. Yeah. It's this one. I think might be surprising to some people because yeah. it always feels more ritualistic. Mm-hmm. Maybe Spa-esque. not. Esques. Yeah. So feels a little bit gimmicky. Like feels nice, but doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. But there are actually plenty of studies out there that show. Um, the effects of heat and cold on skin and generally mm-hmm. speaking there's it's it's still not a precise science mm-hmm. there's a lot of like how you use it type mm-hmm. of benefits so with cold it is generally speaking soothing and does make a meaningful impact on inflamed skin yep. so putting your uh, your sheet mask in the fridge is nice it's as soothing and hydration combined into one it's a good time <laughs> yep 
Agreed. All right, so this is our last topic. It's going to be a few things, but this is in the world of devices. Oh. Yeah, so I think um, this one is definitely tough. Um, so we'll see where we land. Uh, so the first thing is LED masks and microcurrent devices. I'm going to lump them together because I think they're all generally in the same realm. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. So, they, so we, we both held up legit and a gimmick. So I, I feel like this whole category, I'm going to be tempted to keep holding up because <laughs> yeah. most of these devices are based in science and there's a lot, a lot, a lot of data on and it works. But the problem is the home devices, the legitimacy mm. very wildly. Yeah. And it's really tough to say, whether or not uh, what you buy on Amazon or honestly even more expensive brands mm -hmm. are they really validated is it giving you the right um, the right wavelength of the light or the right amount of microcurrent mm -hmm. um, that output level is it control what happens if you forget to charge it you know all these things are not things you can find out very easily mm -hmm. so that's why like with these it's like okay it works but again if it teeters into the price point of you can just go in office with a real deal 100%. you should probably just do that and definitely look for more data there mm -hmm. are some devices that do better than others and like doing um more studies um the issue also is you know with at channels like amazon you may feel like you're getting a steal on an LED device, but those wavelengths, the strength, the time, all of that does is calculated in whether or not you can get those skin effects that they're trying to tackle. Um, so yeah, definitely um, tough, tough yeah. to say. Look uh, for more research. And I was also gonna say that I'm a firm believer in like the professional administrator matters. Yep. Um, we, I had the chance to dabble in those TRIA devices back in the day. <laughs> um, they have a hair removal one and they had an anti-aging one. Mm. I tried them both, but anti-aging one, I was really young until I was in my 20s. I was like, whatever. But um, the hair removal one, um, I've done it in office. I was like, oh, it's so good. I can spot treat it with this at home thing. Mm -hmm. It is not the same. Pain just feels 20 times worse at yeah. home by yourself. And I'll get two spots. I'm like, oh, okay, that's good. And when I when it didn't really work really well, I'm like, well, to be fair, I didn't sit through there and like get every angle and every, like it's just different than doing it in office. I think it's, it, and not just that is when people are clinically trained to use, professionally trained to use these devices. Um, mm. They can actually monitor how your skin is doing with these devices, and such as, you know, looking for signs of irritation, reactions. Um, and we're also talking about things like microneedling as well. Um, there are, you know, and the on top of the strength, you know, having a professional do it can probably guarantee better results than shelling out for a $500, $600 device um with probably a uh, better performance so yeah all right next one all right so next one is face rollers and it sounds generic but that can be anything from a jade roller to a massage thing kind of thing all right ready three two one yeah uh, so we both put up gimmick, um, and for the most part, I tried looking for research, and I can safely say uh, at this point, there's not a lot of data that suggests um, that there's any strong skin benefits to doing a face roller. 
But we always say that if it brings you joy, yeah, don't let us tell you not to do it. <laughs> so in Asian culture, mm-hmm. they're obsessed with the V-shaped face, mm-hmm. like the tiny face is very mm-hmm. in, has been very in, and they used to have, or I guess they still do have this roller where it looks. It's like literally two rolls, and and there's like a handle, and you can massage both sides of your cheek. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it goes like boop, 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 boop. and it's supposed to help you like slim down your face. And I think it's silly, but one thing while I'm watching TV, I'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> I sit there with a stupid look on my face and like rolling my face with a massage tool or something. Instant toning is definitely a hot topic. Yeah, it's yep. like kind of those things. Like, do I believe me? But I'll do it for funsies. Yeah. It doesn't hurt. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't hurt. Um, I did want to share, though, I did find one paper that actually tried to look at this. Um, and it's really interesting. So they um, wanted to look at the vasodilation response to doing face rollers. And what that means is just it, your, your blood vessels um, underneath your skin are dilating. Um, and they did see that after doing this five-minute massage of face rolling. Um, By the f- way, sorry, when well, you're rolling your face, five minutes feels like an eternity. It is a long time. <laughs> I know, exactly. I was thinking, I was like, dang, you have to really be into whatever you're doing to just, yeah, do that. Uh-huh. Totally great. So five minutes for five weeks. Um, and <laughs> Wait, every day? Uh, every day and uh so this is for 12 subjects and they did it on one cheek to do a comparison so they walk out lopsided i don't know so anyways maybe but uh they (laughs) i guess uh with this massage they they took up when they measured it they didn't notice there is a significant increase in that vasodilation um and they did see a, a difference but the issue with it is what does vasodilation mean in terms of benefits? I don't know. I tried looking mm-hmm. into it. Um, people have this theory that, you know, when you have better increased blood circulation, that's increased flow of, you know, better movement, better uh, uh, movement of, uh, what is it? Not nutrition, but uh, general uh, molecules that are good for your skin to places that reach better places of your skin. So, Anyways, it's a, a you know there's what? very little. You know what I bet increases micro uh, dilation at night? Chomping and grinding. <laughs> Consistent <laughs> movement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe all along we're just going to the face gym at night. It's not bad. <laughs> as good as getting a face, face slap for half an hour. <laughs> and I'm not paying anyone to do it. I grind naturally. Ah, <laughs> yeah, so anyways a gimmick at this point yes until science says otherwise all right cool so that's face rollers all right we're gonna end on last one kind of going back to the beginning of our podcast which is gua sha Mm -hmm. um yeah and this is in the context of is it good for skin all right so three two one yeah uh, for skin, we would say it's a gimmick, but mm-hmm. if we want to say for general health, we'd probably tag on a legit. And reason why is because there's actually science on it. It's kind of cool. It's actually kind of not surprising to me, but a lot of these more traditional treatments, a lot of times you can't find any big data around it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always liked these like handheld massage type gua sha as tools. Like there is like 
some really well designed ones, the way it's weighted, the way it fits in your hands, like pretty well thought out. Mm-hmm. You can really put a lot of power into it. And I like it for my shoulder pains. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's actually what we should talk about is, you know, the data is actually not on face. It's mm-hmm. actually for body in um, pain management. And so um, there's actually two studies. They're small. Um, one of them actually was a comparison study with a heat pad for chronic neck pain. Um, they used one group used gua sha while the other one used a simple heat pad um, for seven days. And they did find that after one week, um, pain was, um, it was significant improvement in pain for the gua sha people in comparison to this a heat compress that we're all kind of used to hearing about. So kind of cool, like you don't actually hear, I, personally for me, I never thought that I would find a group of people that would want to study this, but they did. And this, the funny thing is the study was done in Germany, mm-hmm. of all places. Yeah. Uh, and I find it kind of, I find it extra interesting because it's for pain management, mm-hmm. but Gosh, how when you're in pain is extra painful. It is very painful. <laughs> so it's like you suffer to get to the destination, which is very Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> yep, it's very uh, Chinese to think. No, no pain, no gain. Yeah. So uh, the other um, tiny, tiny study subject uh, test size of eleven. Um, looked at gua sha and wanted to compare pain management for in females versus males. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and the cool thing is that um, so they did the gua sha procedure for seven point five minutes. Very exact. Very specific. This is another German study. <laughs> yeah, so German. <laughs> Following treatment and found a significant increase in surface microcirculation during that entire study period and then found it to be um, showed that females showed a significantly higher rate of response than males. Females Weird. react better to gua sha, I guess. Um, but it, <laughs> the cool thing is gua sha, they saw, caused a fourfold increase in microcirculation, mm-hmm. um, which, is very, which is significant. It's very cool that they'd even want to measure this type of improvement with gua sha. So. I, I just picture someone with like a countdown counter with like 450 seconds on it, and you're just watching like... <laughs> <laughs> the patient is literally like... Ah! <laughs> Come on, 300 more seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so other than that, that is the end of our is it a gimmick or not? Hope it was helpful. There's always a new trend that comes out. Um, for the p- most part, um, it's all in good fun. Honestly, even the gimmicks, a lot of times it doesn't hurt as long as for skincare, if it brings you joy, unless it's actively harmful, like homemade sunscreen, we say go, go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. All right, uh, that's the end of the meet. We are gonna move on to break, 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 break it up, break, break, break it up, break, break, break it up. It's Animal Fun Fact Corner, and this time it is Gloria's turn. All right, guys, I have bad news for everyone, which Why? is today's Animal Corner is not exactly of the super fun, uplifting break it up category. Do not want. <laughs> talking about hairless animals <laughs> I, what's so, wrong with hairless animals nothing's wrong with them uh, i like the naked morat yes because they ugly <laughs> so more specifically your not so furry furry friends the sphinx cat and hairless dogs such as american 
hairless terrier and a Chinese crested dog, which is quite a sight to behold. <laughs> um, <laughs> that haircut. Yeah. Side fun fact: I think Sphinx cat look terrifying. Terrifying. They're human cats. Yeah, they're like, like humans and cats had a baby. They look like what Dobby is supposed to look like. Ooh. Yeah, but I heard they're supposed to be very sweet cats, but they're a little terrifying to look at. Um, but one of the like, and actually, all dogs, sh- uh, all animals could be affected by the sun, but definitely more so for hairless cat, uh, hairless animals. They lack mm-hmm. the protection from their fur, so they could be more prone to skin cancer and other skin problems caused by UV rays. Some might even just be burned. Uh, I read that in high altitude places, those dogs that if you have like say near your nose and snout where the hair is a little bit more sparse, uh, they can absolutely get burned. So also, I think it's very cruel to take a hairless animal to a very cold place. Yeah, <laughs> it just seems like that's not meant to be. Yeah, not at all. Um, so. What's interesting is this animal corner research led me down the rabbit hole that is pet sunscreen. <sighs> yes, <laughs> I know. So the thing, the major thing, we're going to keep this short, but the major thing that mm. I want to flag here is if you look up pet sunscreen, there are options. Now, of course, there are people that want to know if you can put human sunscreen on your animals. Mm. And a lot of advice columns you'll read online, there's a lot of blog posts, a lot of random websites that will say, yeah, just use like a baby or pediatric sunscreen for your pets. Um, of course, with the association that it's more gentle and better for you. But zinc, zinc is toxic to both cats and dogs. Um, for most symptoms, if they lick it off and they eat it, there's a chance that they might throw up, get upset tummy, uh, upset tummy. But of course, if your animal is smaller in size or more sensitive, it could lead to just bad news in the long run. So that's definitely something to fly because it is very common to use zinc in baby and kids formulas. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's definitely an ingredient to, uh, to avoid. Now with animals, the data isn't as robust and obviously we're not vets, so there might be things that we're missing here. Um, so something I want to flag is when you look for a formula, when we see a lot of products out there. There are ones that have a sunscreen label very much like human sunscreen that have the active ingredients with the SPF rating. Wait, for pets? For pets. Oh, okay. I would prioritize those sunscreens. It does say something that's like comparable to human SPF value of blank, mm-hmm. right? And then another common form that I think is definitely not very harm- uh, is harmless is titanium dioxide sticks. So you can get their nose area or like thinner hair patches a little easier. I think those are probably the easiest and better ways to go about mm-hmm. it. Um, I have also seen products that position themselves as sunscreen for pets. There isn't any labelings. I saw one where it's a spray and benzophenone 4, which is a sunscreen material that isn't used super commonly in skin anymore, all the way at the bottom of the list. It doesn't have any claimed SPF value or anything like that. But it's claimed as a as a dog sunscreen spray. So it's a little it's murky waters out there. It's very unfortunate. And when in doubt, and I know like scary chemicals is scary for humans. It's even it's probably even more daunting to read an ingredient label for animals because what's safe for humans doesn't necessarily translate to human stuff. So when in doubt, UPF rated clothing might be the way to go. Yeah. 
totally get your dog a stylish windbreaker that has a UPF uh, rating or get your sphinx cat a little confession pivot yeah actually <laughs> fun announcement dog clothing dog yeah. sunscreen <laughs> sun protective clothing sunglasses for your boots. in it yeah so anyway this fun animal corner you you got bamboozled because now <laughs> it's actually a PSA corner about what not to buy for your dogs. <laughs> no, it's very helpful. And I will say being a dog owner myself, um, my dog currently, we have to take her to get biopsy for a growing mole on her the side, um, on her right side. Um, so just when you think only humans deal with skin cancer, um, animal, your loved one, your furry, uh, animals uh, can also get skin cancer as well um, yeah so I would say and I guess you know I think Gloria and I have actually dabbled a little bit in the pet care category uh, using skincare for humans in terms of regulation is wild uh, yeah there's there's very little ruling in the pet care uh, industry and so it's it can be very overwhelming mm-hmm. and so we would try to say just like more straightforward more transparent is a better way to go we'll list a few of those notes that Gloria mentioned here mm-hmm. um, but I think ultimately if you can just stick to the good old cement paste titanium dioxide that would be the way to go at least like it's dog friends probably wouldn't make fun of it for the white cast no no because they're not that judgy yeah so i actually wound up saying absolutely nothing about hairless animals (laughs) but that's what compelled me to do this research uh all in all cool (laughs) you know i was gonna say when you wanted to bring up hairless pets um i've actually watched youtube videos of sphinx cats getting a bath i don't know if you guys have seen that it's like putting a baby in the do they like it they have to get a bath. Yeah, because yeah. they get greasy skin, right? Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, that's one of my only weird memory and YouTube Google that now you guys know of. All right, You're welcome. Cool. <laughs> um, and that's it. We are gonna wrap this episode up with some last Q and A. Um, the first question is from my friend Susanna. Uh, she writes, hi, I was just listening to your most recent episode on sunscreen. Oh, thanks. And had a question. If you're exercising and sweaty, like you're on a long hike and need to reapply your sunscreen, would you recommend A, putting the sunscreen over your sweat, B, toweling off your skin uh, so that it's more dry and then putting on your sunscreen or something else? Thank you. So great question. Uh Thank you for listening to our episodes. <laughs> uh, I would definitely say to towel off definitely. a little bit. The clean palette is the way to go. It helps your sunscreen make that even film again. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a friend that I went hiking with a while ago, and she has so much more foresight than me, brought those cleansing towelettes and like made a more thorough wipe off. So it's truly a clean palette. It doesn't even have old sunscreen. Yeah residue on and then put on and then reapply sunscreen uh yeah but if you don't have a towel on you if, uh then toweling off is the way to go yeah and uh you were i think in that episode you were listening to um just want to remind we we looked at one of the studies that 
thought that try to analyze sweating and that effect on sunscreen and it's pretty significant although that wasn't on actual human skin it was tested in uh in vitro um kind of a uh, using a substrate um, so with that kind of data and understanding how difficult it is for good sunscreen film adhesion um, I would say yeah I totally agree toweling off um, as best you can and honestly you do the best you can so yeah, yeah. and last question this episode is kind of lengthy so let's uh, wrap it up uh, Samantha on Instagram asked hey any suggestions for a cleanser to use while yours is out of stock maybe one that's comparable to yours definitely not <laughs> nothing <laughs> else can compare uh, so sorry about being out of stock it again should be uh, should be back any day now uh if i were to pick a cleanser that i like outside of our own um i would say the philosophy purity made simple is uh, is pretty gentle and effective on me yeah, and uh, if you're looking for more of a gel-based cleanser, let me think about this. Um, I believe Crave Beauty does have a gel cleanser that's pretty simple. Um, that's one you can try to look at. And then, yeah, Philosophy is good. There's also um, the CeraVe Hydrating Cleanser if you're okay with more of that hydrating film kind of finish. Don't um, love it. <laughs> yeah, Gloria doesn't love it, but... Um, yeah, but it works. It definitely works and is great for those that just don't want to deal with the general... Um, I guess that kind of like squeaky film or it's just dealing with a lot more dryness than normal. Um, yeah, so... But don't you worry. It's coming back in stock. Look to an announcement. End of the launch and end of August, although pending when this comes out. So, yeah. But, anyways, that's the end of the episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys had some fun as we go through some of these wild trends that we've heard throughout our lives. Um, but if you have a burning question, where can they find us, Gloria? You can find us on our website at chemistconfessions.com. Find us on Instagram at chemist.confessions. And thanks to our new marketing assistant, Alba, we are also on TikTok. At Chemist Confessions. <laughs> yeah. So if you have a question that you'd like us to answer, please write to us at info at chemistconfessions.com or put your questions in the comments below. But hope you had fun and we'll see you guys next episode. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.